Welcome to You Albany Student Stories, a podcast by students for students. I'm Ryan. I'm Bianca. And today, our special guest is going to be Miss Sophia Smith, a host on the podcast here. Hello, so nice to meet you guys. I'm Sophia, and I'm going to be sharing my stories about being from a multicultural household and how that's really shaped my perspectives on life. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, welcome. We're so excited to have you. So I say let's just jump right in. Um, to kind of start, Sophia, I know that we had talked previously about you are adopted. Do you want to share a little bit about that and, you know, where you're adopted from and what your family looks like? Absolutely. So I was adopted when I was only eight months old. So I was still still a little baby. Um, I am from Belize or Belize, which is in Central America. It's right next to Guatemala. And nobody really knows about this country because it's so small. But um, me, as long as, along with my brothers, we're all adopted. Um and my mom, she's Italian. My dad is Greek. So when I came into America, obviously with citizenship and everything else, um, yeah, I grew up uh, speaking Italian and Greek, both of my parents, and um, especially Spanish. And that really shaped my love for learning new cultures, learning new languages. And that's part of the reason why I'm a dual major in Japanese and Spanish today. And I love both the languages. But um, yeah, it really has helped uh, help me appreciate other cultures from around the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an exciting story to hear about. So I know we had also talked a lot about you took an ancestry test, right? Yes, yes. And so that was what told you like you're from Belize and then it connected you with some relatives out there. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I took a test and um, it turns out that I actually have Mayan in me. So like very ancient um ancestral roots um and so does my little brother however my older brother noah um he has aztec in the in him and i thought that was so cool just how diverse everything is um but yeah i have uh 19 siblings uh birth siblings down in belize yeah <laughs> a lot that is a lot yep. of people um, to keep track of yeah and my brother my little brother and i were literally a year and two days apart so we're almost irish twins yeah wow yep um, but I do think about my birth siblings a lot. I haven't really been in contact with them for a while, but, um, my caretaker, Gloria, um, she was who took care of me or along with her husband, Emiliano, when and um, this was in Belize. Yes. Yes. When I was still a baby, when I was just born, uh, they watched over, over me, um, when my parents were flying over because obviously someone needs to watch over the baby and all that. And she did that. She did the same thing for my brother's. Um, so she's been a very close, uh, with the family and we've been in contact with her recently and she's actually coming up a year from now, uh, this year. And I'm very excited cause I have not seen her in so long, but, um, yeah, very exciting stuff. That's so exciting. So when was the last time you saw Gloria? Um, I actually haven't seen her since I was in Belize, which was like, mm, 22 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's mm -hmm. insane. However, I remember I got a phone call. Um, when I was about eight years old and I was speaking Spanish with her and she was saying how, you know, it's important to keep focused on your studies, stay in school, you know, very motherly, like talk and all that. Um, and it was very exciting because as a kid, I didn't really understand like who I was talking to yet. Cause you know, it's like, still like trying to process, like I obviously knew I was adopted at the time. However, like I didn't really know like the full story. Um, but it was very exciting and she loves my older brother. I mean, she, this is fun. This is a little story. Um, my mom and my dad, when they were flying over um, their flight, you know, it's a little tedious to go from 
Albany or, you know, Saratoga, which is where they were, down into Central America. Gloria calls my mom and says, if you don't hurry up, I'm going to keep your baby. My older that, brother, yeah, because so she, sweet. yeah, I, my, <laughs> but my mom is freaking out because she's like, I need to get down there fast. Like, I'm not gonna lose this baby. Like, this is, you know, because it's their first, um, their first child. Because my mom, uh, was she never was able to, you know, have her own child. So, you know, she says, uh, God put you three in my life for a reason, and she wouldn't want it any other way, and neither would I. So, yeah, that's so sweet. <laughs> so, I wanted to ask. Being from such a multicultural house, I mean, what cultures are in your household now? So obviously um, our uh, Latin American culture, you know, us being from Belize, um, obviously that's very heavy. Uh, but my mom, she runs the whole show mm-hmm. in the house and she's 100% Italian. She's from Napoli. She's from Naples. Wow. Yep. And my dad is Greek. Um, so Greek, Italian and um, Latin American culture, but primarily Italian. And it's very funny because my mom says, even though you're Hispanic, you're more Italian than you are Hispanic in a way because she cooks, you know, rigatoni or penne alla vaca or pasta, pasta puttanesca. And it's like, those are like three of my favorite dishes, all Italian. Very and Italian, yeah, yeah, and that's all she cooks. And she makes these, you know, family-sized meals. I mean, every, if you were in my house, everywhere you turn, there's food. You know, if you come in my house, oh, sit down, eat, please, manja, manja. Yeah, no, it's been very fun, you know, seeing all these cultures, growing up with all these cultures, uh, especially since we, I see more of my mother's side for the holidays. And that's all Italian, all Italian. And, you know, know, they talk with their hands. I mean, that's... Very animated. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were to come to a family function you're going to be treated like you're part of the family at La Familia. That's that's how it is. That's amazing. You know? Yep, family first. And that's, you know, what I learned from my mom and from my dad. Yeah, and I know, Bianca, you have kind of a similar household structure, right? Um, yes, my mother's from the Dominican Republic, and my dad is from Argentina. And basically, I grew up similar to Sofia. Like, it was, I was more close to my Dominican family and my Dominican roots. I knew things about Argentina, like I knew how important asado was, how fútbol was important to the culture. My dad, his ancestry is specifically from Sicilia, and he knew a little bit of Italian, but it was mainly his grandparents and his parents. So he could understand it, and he could produce a little bit, but he had started to lose it. But he would like teach us little things, like how to say too, like due, but like obviously we can't pronounce we can't pronounce it that well, but like. <laughs> He would bring in his Italian and his Argentine. Like, for example, he would make like little home cooked pizzas. He would like little empanadas and he would do that. But the culture that really dominated was Dominican culture. I was, if I was not in school, I was in the Dominican Republic. So I grew up very Caribbean and just having the love of like the beach, baseball. Mm. I would go to, the Centro Deportivo in Bani, mm. and it was basically this huge baseball field with, like, a little soccer field next to it, and I would always just grow up playing soccer, baseball, and just walking around Bani with my cousin, friends, and then being here. Wow, that's so amazing, and I don't have as much of, like, a rich cultural experience in my household I'm French and Irish. There's not a lot going on there, but I will <laughs> say potatoes. You potatoes. Got, you got I potatoes. have potatoes. <laughs> My grandma is very Irish, and you have the 
Potato pie. The potato yes. pie. Okay, yes. so let's talk about that, right? Like, <laughs> my grandma lives directly across the street from me, and it's my mom's mom. And my mom's side of the family is extremely Irish. I mean, half of them are redheads, and we're all very into potatoes. Very into potatoes. <laughs> Um, my favorite dish, actually, that's prepared for our holidays is scalp potatoes and ham. Ooh. It is good. It is heavy cream potatoes and ham. Like, what could go... Cheese, too. You can't... So what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't get, like, the crazy rich cultural experiences that you guys have because I feel like a lot of Latin American cultures and European cultures are mm -hmm. very strong, mm -hmm. whereas I feel as though... At least in my case, like my household, the Irish is very reserved and so is the French. I mean, I don't have any French culture in my household that I can think of. We're like an all-American family, right? Like it's burgers and hot dogs and a casserole. There's no like, there's no rigatoni, you know, there's we, no empanada. No. We got chicken cacciatore, we got yeah. uh, moussaka, you know, Greek. Oh, it's so Sounds good. so good. You guys so I, I, I envy a little bit about that for sure. I was going to say, you reminded me of my favorite dish every time because it's... My favorite dish is sancocho, and it's this, like, thick stew um, made with, like, different um, vegetables, like yuca, platano, you can put maize, um, and there's different meats, like carne, cerdo, pollo, longaniza, and every time I would go to the Dominican Republic, my grandma had a huge bowl of sancocho waiting for me. Oh, so every time I arrived, I would eat my huge, my, I would eat like two or three bowls. I would sit there and I would just eat my huge bowl of sancocho. My tia Daisy would make pastelitos. Oh, and those are just my favorite things. And every time, like my tia Daisy came and I said, bring me pastelitos. Yes. <laughs> so next week I'm getting my pastelitos. Exactly. And I think and it's so important that food is a part of it the is. culture in the home. I mean, I'm very similar to Bianca. I mean, food really is what brings the family yeah. together. Oh, I 100%. mean, growing up, I mean, especially being in a, a he heavy, like heavily dominated Italian household, you know, we talked in the kitchen, we made food in the kitchen. Family was always centered in the kitchen because that's where the food was, you know? Yeah. Um, and it reminds me like my favorite dish my mom makes is pasta puttanesca and a short story about that. Putana in Italian means a whore or a prostitute. <laughs> well, back then, pasta puttanesca was a quick and easy meal that the prostitutes would make, you know, and then they'd go back to work. So it wasn't this long, you know, meal prep yeah. that they would, you know, do. Um, and basically what it is, it's angel hair or, you know, like very similar to, to spaghetti. And then you have your puttanesca sauce, which would have uh, anchovy paste in it, um, olives, um and just um, diced tomatoes, and you put all that together, and you let it simmer a little bit, and it's the best. What to you feels like home, and do you think it's hard to identify with so many different cultures in yourself? Is there one that, like, predominantly takes over? Do you feel your culture is different than your family's culture? Oh, great question. Um, so sometimes I find myself struggling with what culture I identify with because because I didn't grow up, you know, really speaking Spanish and instead like I grew up around Greek and Italian, I've had uh, people who are bilingual in Spanish or, you know, from other parts of Latin America say that I'm not a true Latina. I'm not really Hispanic or, you know, I, there's no way I can be a Latina because I don't speak Spanish the way like they do or because I just didn't grow up in a Hispanic household and I um, think there's a lot of prejudice around that that's not you're not the first person that I've heard say that like um being if you're of a Hispanic background or a Hispanic speaking background anywhere mm -hmm. 
more oftentimes than not, if you can't speak it like directly fluently from the household, they well, ridicule you for it. There's like a whole stigma around it, that. It, exactly. And it just, it's very hard because, you know, back in high school, um, I was, I put this in heavy quotations. I was too brown for the crowd that, you know, was predominantly Caucasian because I went to Shaker High School. However, when, you know, I tried to talk to people who are from other parts of Latin America who obviously were, were Latino, um, I was too white for them. So it's it's just really hard trying to find um, that balance of where I belong or, you know, where I can be myself. So it is a great question. Um, and it's hard because sometimes I want to identify with being Italian or Greek. And people think that I am Italian or Greek when they, you know, be like, oh, are you are you this? Are you that? I'm like, no, I'm actually Hispanic. Like I was going to get, that was going to be my second guess. So yeah, no, I think I could pass as being one of those, um, nationalities. However, um, it's hard to say because my mom, she runs the show, the queen she is. Um, and I love her very much for that. Um, I don't know. I really do identify with my Latin roots. I don't, that's just where I from. And I want to, you know, humble where I came from because where I came from, you know, people think, oh, Belize, you know, scuba diving and all this beauty. However, where I'm from, there's nothing. I mean, you see skin and bones of people or even dogs that are starving. And my older brother was literally born in La Selva. He was born in the jungle. He had nothing. And my little brother and I, my little brother from the same birth parents, um, we were born in a, literally a mud hut. So it's it's hard to, you know, kind of like not identify with where I came from because, you know, I'm very, very, very grateful to have the opportunity of a new life in a way. Um, That's part of your yes, journey. exactly. But in short, to answer your question, I do primarily identify with my Latin roots. I got to got to humble that you know it's who i am it's who i am biologically genetically and of course you know and i'm always going to be proud proud latina so. yeah and bianca i know you you've already mentioned that you grew up in the dr a lot like if you weren't in school you're in the dr and having like a very argentine european influence do you think that affected you in a lot of ways yes and no for me i always wanted to come in from a place of understanding because like DR and Argentina were very different cultures. As I grew up, I kind of felt like nothing is going to be in these extreme binaries of so different. So I always wanted to go in with, I need to have an open mind and expand my mind because I knew that there were things of my culture like that I would share in class and the kids would be like, like for example, I we had to do a little project of our favorite food I did a little project on Sancocho. I was so excited. I was like, this is my favorite I'm food. Ready, yeah. And I remember all the kids were like, that soup looks disgusting. Like people were like not happy. And I was like, what do you mean? And for me, I was like, I just can't go in with a mindset of just because it's different doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah. And so that's the mindset I try to go in of understanding. Like I try to understand your culture, where you're from and how... I can sit here and relate to you because most of the time I noticed that I had more similarities than differences yeah. with different cultures. Right. For example, with the parrillada, it was always my dad like there cooking, but we would do a combination and my mom would make 
arroz con habichuela because that was my favorite. Yeah. So it would be like half Argentine, half Dominican. And it was just this fabulous fusion because like, like you said, being in the kitchen, that was also my experience. And just eating those meals made me feel like this is where I belong. Like I am Argentine, I am Dominican. But I do notice like in general, I always say I'm more Dominican because that's the dialect I best speak. That's the country I best know. I used to be able to speak in an Argentine accent and know the dialect. I still know it, but it's hard for me to go back. Not as natural. The, yeah, like, to because I have to change my whole intonation, my whole pitch, the way I, like, I can do it, but it's, it costs me a lot. But I actually wanted to say um, a comment on what you were saying, how people were saying that, like, you're not really Latina. And I yeah. think that's a little ignorant because... Latin America is from Mexico all the way down to the southern tip of Argentina. You have Brazil, you have French Guiana, you have Jamaica, you have St. Kitts. You have all these countries in there and they don't speak Spanish. So how are you going to say that someone, you could say like you're not from a Spanish speaking country because Belize does like their their national language is English and their maternal language is Spanish. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Wow. I did not know that. I feel like... It's really ignorant, and I think it's kind of, it's going to sound a little dramatic, but I feel like it's really violent to tell someone how to identify, because why are you shaping someone's identity based off your perception? Like, are you to do that? (laughs) I agree. To kind of build off of that, I've been learning a lot, especially in college, about ethnicity versus race and what Mm -hmm. that looks like. Mm -hmm. So to pose the question, ethnicity tends to be more about culture and tradition, do you think that you identify as multiple ethnicities when it comes to being in such like a multicultural household? Do you think there's a lot of parts of you that would say, yeah, I'm Belize. I'm also Italian American. I'm also, you know. So it's funny because um, when my friends ask, like, because they've asked that question, like, do you tell people that you're Italian or Greek? I'm like, I say and I quote, I'm Italian in spirit. That's, that's, what, it, yeah, that's what I that's say. Great. I'm Italian and Greek in spirit. That's what I say. But obviously like biologically i am latina like you know i I, and i wear it proud yeah um i say i am in spirit i am you know i don't really say greek because again like i grew up seeing my mom's side of the family a lot but i love you know the greek culture everything the music um the domares musaka um the food and uh the greek fest which you know my i actually went to like the it's in schenectady right yeah i was kind of there but Mm -hmm. i wasn't in the greek fest but i was you know around it yeah i used to go there um so many times the saint sophia greek fest obviously my name and um just a little quick side note um i was named after saint sophia the greek saint but also i was named after sophia loren the famous italian actress wow and my mom was named after gina lola brigida another famous italian actress and in real life gina and sophia the actresses kind of were rivals because they were sex symbols back in their day yeah oh, that's so fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, little friendly rivalry yeah yes. <laughs> and um my mom and i sometimes like you know mothers and daughters have their fights you know tips. like yeah we have our we have our we've had our tips our fair share <laughs> mom i love you if you're you know listening to this um but i actually met sophia loren in real life because wow. my mom took me to meet her for um my quinceanera um uh like a couple weeks after it happened um and sophia loren actually invited me up on stage and I was meeting a legend. She won Oscars. She wow. this woman has Oscars. I mean, she's she's an upstanding actress. So I asked her, I'm like, 
I'm like, do you have any stories about Gina Lola Brigida? Because my mom is named after her and I'm named after you. Oh my God, this woman is beautiful. I mean, she's eight in her 80s, still beautiful. She's like, Sophia never liked me. She always saw me as rival. Maybe you should write to her. But she's, she threw that in because, you know, I think Gina unfortunately passed away. But oh. <laughs> yeah, but um, she was so sweet. And I actually, she signed uh, my, my baby picture because um, my mom brought it and it's of me next to Sophia Loren's picture in Buca di Peppo, the restaurant. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> it's it so Italian. <laughs> Oh my, don't I say my family is Italian? I mean, they literally wear the Italian flag right on their chest. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why you, yeah. I'm like, why are you guys screaming? They're like, I'm not screaming, I'm Italian. This is how we speak. <laughs> like, um, but no, my mom brought, I'm like, why do you have that? You don't know if I'm even going to meet her or see her. She's like, you never know, Sophia. Gotta, and to this, day, to this day, I think my mom knows connections. She has connections. I'm pretty yes. sure she has connections to the mafia. I probably shouldn't even say, I probably shouldn't even Careful, say that. Yeah. yeah, but because, you know, she's like, Sophia, I have my ways. And I'm like, that you do. And I, and I, <laughs> I trust you, you with that. Especially yes. my uncle and my aunt. I mean, I love them. They're they're my heroes. Um, but no, uh, it's basically like I'm in this little pink dress and as a baby, it's after my christening, and it's right next to uh Sophia Loren, this huge picture they have. And she signed it for me and I have it. I have it still. And um her perfume, I can still smell it. It's it was a magical moment, but yeah, no. Wow. Sorry, a little rant, but um, no, yeah, I primarily identify with my Latin roots, you know, I'm very proud to show that. And, you know, I've learned to not apologize for it. And I will say, you know, from time to time, I'll be like, yeah, but I am Italian and Greek in spirit, you know, my mom, and my dad, so I love the cultures that I grew up with. And mm-hmm. I appreciate other cultures for what they are because nobody should apologize for being what they are at the end of the day 100 percent. now bianca i want to give you a chance to answer the question too because again back to the you have very strong cultures in your household um yeah so basically for me my after a certain point like once i was in high school my mom wanted to wanted me to be more american um and i also because like you sophia mm-hmm. i went to basically all like Anglo a school with like a lot of Anglo-Saxon people because mm-hmm. I can't say white because I'm a white Latina but basically there were no other Latinos it was me and predominantly like three Latinos same here and I just remember like I told my mom I said I want a quinceañera and she looked at me and said Bianca no one in your high school knows what a quinceañera is they don't know the traditions they don't know anything she said don't do it just do a sweet 16 like she said don't do that no. to yourself and I remember I was really sad. I really wanted my quinceañera, but, like, it was, she was right. Like, no one understood the tradition of the quinceañera, like, the religious aspect, the going in, the doing yep. this show. And so I felt like I might as well just do it. And, like, I don't regret the Sweet 16, but I do always kind of sit there and think, damn, like, I wish I did have a quince. Because I liked the Sweet 16, I just felt like it wasn't, me right if that makes sense um but other than that like in general I always felt really like kind of turbulent with my identity like it was just very much like I didn't know how I felt about my identity because when it came to certain social issues I was more like Argentine in the sense that like for me gay marriage certain like rights were just like, why would we not have them? Like, that's ridiculous. But then I also, the culture and the environment of the Dominican Republic is what I loved. 
Like, I like that I could go down the street, I could talk to my vecino, and I could sit there on the stoop talking to my neighbor. We could play capote. Um, it's a card game. We could yeah. play domino. And I knew I could go to any of the neighbors. They would know who I am, and I was okay. And when I say neighbors, I just mean anyone in the neighborhood or anyone who knew my family because everyone's your neighbor. Like, here we're, like, really specific, but they're, like, everyone's your neighbor. And then I just remember being here and being American, and I felt like I don't know how all these identities fit, and I felt like I had to play on my identity. Mm. In some places, I would just be as, like, I'd be violently American, not nationalistic. I'm not never nationalistic. (laughs) But I felt like I couldn't be Latina because I felt like it could be dangerous, so I felt like I have to be American And then in other places, I'd be like, okay, I can speak Spanish. I can be Latina here. But I feel like I always had to negotiate, but I also have the privilege of negotiating my identity. Mm. And I feel like I had to do that a lot because you never know. Like, it's always like that one person you never expect, that one look that you get. And you're like, am I, can I speak my language here? Is that okay? Mm. Or is it not acceptable? Been there, done that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Yeah, no, just... Like, even I had to, when I was younger, I had to prove that I was American because I had neighbors in New Jersey that were, basically, they were racist. Like, they were telling my mom that they were going to deport us, and they were following us, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I was like, am I American? Like, am I not American? And I was like, I remember that always shaped me because I was always questioning, yeah, am I really, really messes, American? It, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, was I born here? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like, the evolution yeah. of identity is something that I think is so strange. And mm-hmm. I think, Sophia, I really want to pose this question to you since, you know, you're adopted. When it came to identity, which I believe is like an ever-changing process in my mind, And I think the more you learn about yourself, the more you can figure out, you know, what you identify more comfortably with. Mm -hmm. Do you, was there like a steep learning curve to, you know, from going from your household to learning about, you know, your Belize roots? And do you think that that affected how you identify at all? Um, So growing up and where I am now, I truly realized that I was given the best opportunity, uh, really a, a new chance at life. I put that in quotations. But what, what I mean by that is if I were still in Belize, and it, it's crazy to think about, and, and my older brother, we both had our appendix out, um, my brother kind of recently. And obviously, if you don't get that out in time, you know, that's not good. Because there's such a lack of medical needs down there, because it from where we are, it, there's it's dirt roads. It, everyone is just, you know, struggling and there's a lot of crime, you know. I, If I were still down there, I either would have been killed or, you know, died from not having my appendix out because, you know, lack of hospitals. I would have been probably trafficked or gone, like, just disappeared. So it's it's kind of difficult because, you know, I think a lot about my, my birth siblings, especially my sisters, because being a woman now is, like almost that's impossible so hard. and then imagine like yeah. in a country that's so i know and i don't i i have pictures of them but i've never talked to them and it sometimes it, like it kind of makes me emotional because i think why do i deserve this chance why was i the one like why was i picked by god to have 
a chance at a, you know, a new life, you know, with a great family, a beautiful mom and a beautiful dad. And when I think about that, you know, I don't want to shun Belize for what it is. I think it's so important that people realize that Belize isn't this tourist attraction, you know, that people think it is, you know, with the scuba diving, snorkeling and, um, you know, the barrier reef or, you know, the blue, the giant blue hole that is one of the main attractions over there, you know. Every country has its ups and downs, but especially Belize because it's a third world country and it's so poor. You know, I obviously want to acknowledge that Belize is beautiful for what it is, but also, you know, it's they have their own hardships down there, too. The and realism of the country. Exactly. And I don't, you know, want to, you know, hide that from people. Like when people ask, oh, where are you? you're from Belize. Wow. Like they obviously assume that I'm from the a nice beautiful city. luxury. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like I don't, you know, I don't bullshit people. I'm like, no, like I'm. Well, I, I was born in, in a hospital, but I, you know, my birth mother and my siblings, my birth siblings, you know, that's their home. That's where they were mm-hmm. raised. So, um, growing up, I've truly realized that you know, I'm always Belize is always gonna have a special place in my heart, and I never want to shun it for being the way yeah. it is. You know, because there's so many countries like that in Latin America yeah. that have their downsides. You know. Especially in, you know, the neighboring countries around Belize, you know, there is a huge um, femicide going on or was where, you know, men were just killing women for fun. They were just, you know, sexually assaulting and all that. And it's like, oh, my God, it's crazy because I either would have I don't know where I would have ended up and my older brother would have been dead. And it's crazy because, you know, his appendix was close to bursting. Um, No, I always, always, always will keep Belize. Um. You know, I'll always wear that like with on my sleeve, you know, like my heart on my sleeve. That's yeah. that's how I am. So I never want to. Um, no, I, I, I never want to. Um, what's the word? <laughs> I'm like, shun. Yeah, I never want to shun it. Yeah. For being what it is. So and because exactly. that's where I'm from. Sugarcoat. You don't want to yep. sugarcoat it. Exactly. And I want to give Bianca a chance to share the realism because I did visit the DR. I went there for service trips. And I was in Labatees, the very poor communities there. Yes. And I got to work with a lot of Haitian refugees and lots of the really, really poor population of the Dominican. And when you say you went to the Dominican, people automatically assume, you know, Punta Cana and like Puerto, all, Plata, Puerto Plata. Yeah, Bavaro. all these places that are like super touristy, beautiful, beautiful places with rich cultural history. But can you talk a little bit about like the realism of the DR? Um, yeah, I think it's so funny when... Ever I tell people I'm Dominican, they're like beautiful beaches. <laughs> I just <laughs> laugh. I'm like, yeah, like I the mean, be- yeah, that's yeah, one I'm aspect. Like, yeah. I'm like, yes, but then I'm like, you don't know. It's similar to Belize. Like you don't know how dangerous it is. Like we have the highest, especially rate of, for females. Yeah, we have the highest rate of child marriages. So there are girls as young as six, seven, eight years old Sick. getting married to 30, 40 year old men. To maintain their family because families are so poor there that the only way to maintain the family is literally to sell off their daughters Her to marriage. older men so that those men take care of the family. Like I had a friend who after eighth grade, they dropped out of school and they got married to a 30 year old man because that man was going to take care of their family. And people are like, that's sick. And I'm like, it is sick, but it's more sick that that's the position that we have to be in it's almost it's almost like, tied into the culture too i mean you see this is. in a lot of third world countries a lot of these i i use the word questionable practices mm-hmm. are just kind of tied in innately to what they are as a whole and because it's been done for so long there's been no evolution it's just kind of stagnated to a normalcy which is i don't think something that 
you know, is the best? It's really not because I remember um, just in general, like as a, as a little girl, like there were older men that would approach me and that would say things that would make me really uncomfortable. And I'm not going to say them on here because honestly, like no child should have heard those things. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was told, Bianca, you're a pretty girl. You, you have to get used to it. Like you have to know how to deal with it. And I just remember feeling like I have to learn how to deal with 34-year-old man as a child. And I'm like, why do I have to do this? Why am I the adult? Yeah, exactly. Why do I have to be the adult? And in general, I don't think people realize how unsafe it could be. Like, my Mm -hmm. cousin, he lives near the University Epic because he he, he walks there. It's like a 5-10 minute walk. So it's not in like a bad neighborhood. And he was even robbed going home. And I had cousins that were robbed and mugged going home. They were like my cousin, my older cousin, he was with his wife, my younger cousin, he was by himself. But just in general, like being robbed, being mugged is very common there. Violence is very much always present. For example, LGBTQ rights. Now there's more of an acceptance of gay people. But depending on the person, they will come at you. And trans people are not accepted at all. It re- like you have to come from a very open-minded family, very accepting family. Because if not, you're you're not accepted. And mm-hmm. like violence against trans people is acceptable. And I'm sitting here like, why is it okay to be just violent? And it's not like no. it's just not okay. And I always have love, but there's always that. Why is there so much violence? I even know, for example, something my cousins and my mom always said is. I never made you go to school in the DR because the schools in the DR are so bad. If you go to public school in the DR, you're sending your child to be a gangster. Like, that's what oh is... My wow. God. Yeah, because kids will go to school in there with guns, knives, smoking weed. Wow. If you, you if you want your kid to make it in the Dominican Republic, you pay for that private school. You pay for that Catholic school. You do what you can. <laughs> but other than that, if you cannot afford that, yeah. like, you, you have no other choice than to learn how to work on the streets i just know that in general like that with the poverty levels like we have so much tourism that there's parts like babado that are really wealthy because we have a lot of like people from europe especially russia right now that stay there and they're wealthy but then dominicans themselves are so poor and don't have the same luxuries and just in general how Dominicans in their own country have to live like in impoverished states. Like there are kids that cannot go to school because if you live in a rural area and there's no busing, well, you can't go to school. Yeah, you have no and, transportation. Yeah. And on top of that, there's places that don't get electricity or they get electricity very scarcely. Only a couple like, days. Yeah. Yeah. Like even in Bani, like the electricity still goes out. Like todavía se va la luz. All the time. Like the only places the like the electricity stays on is the capital and where the tourists are. Exactly. But everywhere else, it's like it's almost like dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah it's it's one of those things where you, you move from the utopia of mm-hmm. the tourism centrals of these it's third like, world countries, and yeah. you see it's beautiful. The countries themselves are beautiful, yep. but you get to see what what the natives really have to live with yeah and it almost reminds me a bit of a stretch but it almost reminds me of hunger games where it's like the capital and all that residents know like they got everything but then you go out in the districts and it's there's nothing i mean people are struggling it basically is that yeah scraping 
To wrap up, I just want to ask, when it comes to your futures, I think now it's like a really big thing for everyone to think about what they want their household to look like and what they want the culture of their household to be. Do you have any ideas of how you think you're going to raise your families later in life? Do you think it's going to be influenced by your own personal culture? Or do you think it's going to follow your family in a lot of ways? Um, I'm going to say both because my mother and father, they ne obviously never shunned me or my brothers for being Hispanic. They're never like, maybe you should keep that on the down low. You know, they yeah. always said, be proud of Embrace yourself. yourself. Embrace it. Um, and I really want my kids. I'm obviously going to raise them bilingual or, you know, that's raise them with the language because I think it's so important that they're kids, statistically yes, smarter. That's yes. what I'm saying. Um, and speaking Greek and I also speak Japanese and uh, Spanish, um, Italian. I know a little bit of Latin Korean. Um, so I obviously want to share as much uh, culture with my kids that I've taken, you know, that I've taken the time to learn and really appreciate. And another thing is like, Bianca, like you mentioned how like you had to really try to figure out, you know, um, if I needed to be like kind of more like Anglo-Saxon in your school and all that. I really, really strongly, heavily relate to that. And what I want to say is that in high school, I constantly was ridiculed and harassed by usually the same group of people um, back in my high school. Um, one person telling me that I should go back to the country I was from. I should cross the border again, get my ass out of here. I had to hear that. And that messed me up as a kid. I mean, those were that person's words. Um, and I do not want, if my kids go through that same thing, I don't want them to apologize the way I did. Because then I had to downplay, you know, me being Latina. I try to be more white. And I put that in, because again, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white Latina. Um, and I don't want my kids to apologize for being who they are. Because, yeah. you know, I can't tell you who I'm going to marry in the future. <laughs> I don't know what my kids are going to look like. But even, like, whoever I marry... You know, I think it's so important that my kids honor who they are for what they are, you know, yeah. how they're raised and their language and their culture. And I don't want them to apologize once Never. for being who they are the way I did in high school. Um, And obviously, like a lot of like the Mayan like civilization was in Belize, you know, with the Mayan ruins, all that. And my nose is mine. I used to get made fun of my nose all the time um, because I have like a little um, hook nose. Like there's like a little hook. But that's that's the Mayan nose. That's the indigenous nose. Um, and my little brother has that as well. But, you know, no matter what my kids look like, I, you know, they're going to be beautiful for who they are. And I just want them to be proud and be the best person they can be and not apologize about it to anybody. So, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Bianca, do you have any idea of how you see your future household's culture? Um. I want my kids to have the same multicultural experience I had. I do, I mean, I don't care who I marry. I don't care what culture they come from. I just want to pass both our cultures onto our kids because I do want my kids to be proud. I feel like there's a lot of shame here and growing up with mm -hmm. a culture that's different. And I just want them to be able to be happy. I want, for me, I want to specifically target beliefs that come from DR that can be harmful beliefs that come from Argentina that can be harmful like Argentina is very racist and it needs to be called out it's problematic and the DR like they there's a big like really creepy pedophilic culture essentially with men and women and I feel like I want my children to grow up safe happy loved and to just be able to exist as how they are, who they are, 
And that's all I really want, honestly. I want them to grow up speaking the language, but I also just in general want them to just be happy and safe. And that's beautiful. And Period. I think that's, yeah, <laughs> I, I hope that's something that is achievable and i know both of you are going to raise wonderful families i mean your experiences yourselves have so much to them and to bring that to the table already is something yeah. beautiful and especially like, i i really hope both of you put an emphasis on bilingual children yes yeah. i just I've, think it's so important that yes. you know people learn more cultures because for me when i learn a new culture it's like learning a new perspective of the world yeah. and it, cultures are so beautiful it and is. i feel like people are so hesitant especially in america United because States, it's something yeah. different it's something foreign really mm. it's not anything no, it's outside not. the us they consider foreign but that's just how the world is yeah. it's just <laughs> culture and it's beautiful it introduces you to beautiful things new people new music new food new yeah. new clothing new aspects and that's why it's so important to just gain a new perspective instead of being so close-minded especially exactly. in the united states and i know like you know traveling is very pricey but i think it's so important that people do discover what lies outside of america yeah. because like you know we just recently did a podcast about study abroad but when i went to japan i mean oh my god the culture yeah and i w i want my kids to grow up appreciating different cultures and because it's a new doorway yeah. it's just a doorway to learning so a new many world. things yep. yeah so i think it's just so important like and just like you said bianca i want them to be happy and safe yeah. and i just think it's so important but yeah yeah well thank you so much sophia for sharing your story absolutely thank you for having me of course and bianca thank you so much for adding so much to this too i feel